0: Passionate about sustainability, energy, and climate? You're in the right place. Welcome to Energetic. I'm Maureen Cornelis, and together, we will engage with people who dedicate their lives to climate justice and making a just energy transition happen. They may be activists, scientists, policymakers, or other enthusiasts, just like you. Let the life stories and insights inspire you to build a better future for people and the planet. In the unstoppable world of the energy transition, Antonia Procars stands out as a key figure at RISCOP-EU, the European Nexus for Energy uh, Citizen Cooperatives. Her work is not just about energy, it's about empowering communities and fostering gender equity in the energy sector. Antonia's journey in shaping a sustainable future is marked by her pivotal role in community organizing and capacity building. She's a champion for gender-just energy communities, ensuring that these spaces are inclusive and equitable. Her coordination of the European Citizen Energy Academy is a testament to her commitment to educating and empowering citizens in the energy transition. Currently, Antonia is at the forefront of fostering collaboration between energy cooperatives and local authorities, such as through the Clean Energy for EU Island Secretariat. This initiative is crucial for island communities, often at the forefront of experiencing and committing climate change. Beyond her organizational roles, Antonia leads the Gender Power Working Group at Risk of EU. Here, she facilitates the exchange of innovative practices and tools, ensuring that gender perspectives are integral to energy discussion. Antonia's academic background is equally impressive. She holds a PhD from Erasmus University Rotterdam and Drift, and her research delves into the self-organisation of renewable energy initiatives and their transformative impact on the energy transition. So Antonia, I'm just so happy to have you. You're not just a professional in the field, you're a visionary, shaping a more sustainable, inclusive and equitable future. Welcome to Energetic.
1: Thank you very much, Maureen. I'm very happy to be with you today. Thank you for your really kind words.
0: Thank you so much, Antonia. So in your experience, uh, whether it is with your PhD or with Rescope EU, how do you see diversity and inclusion shaping energy communities? And why is this focus vital for the success of these initiatives?
1: Yes, so diversity. For us, I mean, maybe I should start, I think, for me, personally, let me take it from that perspective and then I will broaden up. Uh, Diversity is everything because, you know, our societies are diverse. And if we don't manage to actually reflect the diversity of our societies in uh, what we do uh, in the energy uh, field, uh, we're actually uh, missing out uh, the power of uh, working together, uh, truly leaving nobody behind. So uh, for me, when we really like take into consideration the different uh, perspectives, the different needs, the different ambitions uh, of uh, people, it's the only way to really manage to achieve this bigger, wider transformation that our energy system uh, requires. Uh, so um, uh, I'm very happy that uh, with uh, Rescu PU we have uh, focused on exactly supporting energy communities to focus on diversifying their membership, on diversifying their boards of uh, directors to really like truly shine uh, in the in the context of the energy transition by being like the leaders for a deep change for the transition towards like a truly sustainable and fair uh, energy system of the future.
0: That's great. And uh, you recently won an award for diversity and inclusion. This was during a Solar Power uh, Europe uh, job fair. Can you tell me a little bit more why you won this award? I mean, I am biased. I was one of the jury members. But uh, tell me more about the, the reason why you won this award.
1: Yes, so uh, once again allow me to uh, thank uh, both you as uh, part of the jury uh, but also Solar Power Europe for the opportunity to actually uh, show what uh, we are uh, doing in the context of Rescue pu for the transition as i mentioned to a fair energy system so why we won because uh, i think because of all the different things that we do uh, on so many different levels to really support uh, the uh, more diversity and more inclusion uh, in the energy sector with uh, the gender power working group that i mentioned uh, we really like Enable the members of Rescue PU to exchange and uh, learn about both the challenges, but also the good practices that communities have already started putting in place in their uh, effort to uh, diversify, as I mentioned earlier. Because in addition to this work with the gender, and actually, Thanks to the work of the Gender Power Working Group, we have managed to get the conversation a level uh, higher and we have uh, involved our board of uh, Resco.PU to discuss the ambition statement uh, that we have worked on. And uh, we're very happy that the board has actually acknowledged and officially signed our uh, ambition statement, uh, giving this kind of incentive for all the members of Resco.PU to uh, follow the, the work. And in addition to that, another level, as Resco.PU, as the team of Resco.PU uh, here in Brussels, we also try to uh, really like, take particular measures to uh, support a more inclusive and more uh, diverse, even more, <laughs> because we're already quite diverse, I have to say, uh, working space that really takes on board the needs of everyone. So I think that this is one of the reasons why we, we got uh, this award because we work in all these different uh, levels. Also, because uh, we, we have been uh, trying at least, and I think we have been uh, quite successful on uh, really like, setting the good practices, setting the uh, great examples that come already from a movement to inspire even more initiatives to follow and learn from them. And of course to just like invite everyone to experiment and try a new solution because that's something that we we want to see. We don't want you to, uh, if you're an energy community uh, listening to this uh, wonderful podcast, we don't want you to just like uh, copy paste the solution, but we invite you to ask the same questions and find the way that you can make your community more inclusive and empowering uh, all the participants of our society, actually, to have a say uh, in your community and benefit
0: through this? Um, in particular, I was really impressed when I checked your application about the strategy uh, RISCOP EU uh, has been putting in place to put women as, uh, at the forefront as leaders, leaders mm-hmm. of communities. I mean, it's really not easy knowing that in, at the same time, women tend to be a bit and um, they represented among energy communities. Why does it matter? To and what kind of recommendations, based on your experience with RESOPU, would you would you make to to make sure that there is kind of better gender balance and really like also some really in a structured way? Thanks for this uh, question,
1: Marine. In fact, indeed, with the ESCOP you we uh, do our best to really like put to the forefront women uh, to enable them to shine because we do believe that uh, only by uh, seeing. Uh, more women speaking, seeing more uh, women doing uh, a lot of uh, innovative things in the energy uh, world, we can have like more participation of uh, women. So in, in other words, we do believe the importance of role models. So for younger people, for younger girls to see that okay, it's not only a men's club <laughs> over here. Actually, a woman can also have a say and influence the developments in my community, so that they can actually join themselves. And as you mentioned, we we are aware of the challenges. We are aware of the fact that communities have uh, maybe in the, in the past started with uh, more interested, more active uh, men, but we see that more and more women actually are. Uh, showing their interest and uh, are getting involved. And what we try to do is to enable them to actually participate. So uh, we, by giving the, the space uh, for a woman to uh, speak, it is not only to inspire others, but also we know that having actually a woman in the board of directors, for instance, uh, you can actually see more transformative actions for more inclusion actually overall uh, we can see that for instance when we have uh, some first discussions about inclusion and diversity, we start realizing the importance of um, the timing of our our meetings, for instance. Or like a very nice uh, new uh, trend that I'm very happy to see in the community energy scene uh, is that when we organize our General Assembly, for instance, uh, we uh, keep in mind that it would be nice to also uh, invite uh, someone to take care of our children so that everyone can really participate. And we see like more and more uh, general assemblies that actually uh, invite, uh, um, I don't know, someone to babysit in a sense or organize some ed- other educational activities or playrooms and things like that so that uh, women can also come without thinking, OK, what do I do with my child? I want to participate, but I don't know. So... Um, There are a lot of things that you can do, but getting back to your question about why, why is this important? I mentioned, I started my point earlier saying that it is important that everyone participates. It is important that when we're talking about the energy transition, transition as a fact, if I put my academic hat back on, we need to talk about a change Uh, both in uh, culture, structure and practices, meaning that we really need to not only consider a shift of uh, one type of technology to another type of technology, but we really need to reconsider the way we organize ourselves, we really need to reconsider the way we think and the way we behave in the energy system. And for this, we really need to bring, to take into consideration of everyone's needs and we need to take into consideration also of the uh, softer, let's say, elements of uh, the energy transition. Because maybe I can already mention it here. For us, another reason why bringing the diversity and inclusion uh, topic more to the front is because often we hear uh, that when we talk about climate uh, Community energy, we talk too much about the energy part and we somehow forget the community part. And if we want to be covering everything, we really need to focus on the community part as well. And who is part of the community and how can
0: the community actually really uh, shine uh, fully. This totally relates to uh, an epi- a recent episode of, of energetic that, uh, that actually was in Italian. So maybe not uh, all listeners will have uh, grasped, but really this part of the, the importance of a social dimension of energy communities is absolutely fundamental. And this is. What makes the difference between energy communities and other form of energy relationship, whether it is from the supplier to a consumer or whether it is uh, between different system operators and um And yeah, this dimension is also coupled uh, with uh, the dimension of governance. And when Mm -hmm. you mention uh, the importance of having women on board uh, and at the board of the the different organizations, it is also a question of governance and have a Mm -hmm. governance that truly reflects the membership uh, somehow and the community itself. So, uh, yeah, I I find it really, uh, really nice what you said about the change in the structure, culture and what was the third? and practices (laughs) and practices yeah yeah what we do actually yeah culture structure and and practices yeah indeed it's uh it's it's also leading by example but let's go now to some of your projects such as Mm -hmm. the life loop project so what are the core objectives of this project and how is it making a difference in the landscape of sustainable energy
1: Thank you for this. Uh, So LifeLoop, with the LifeLoop, Local Ownership of Power, uh, we really want to uh, support the collaboration of citizen energy communities uh, with the local authorities. We have uh, learned through the past experiences that when you have the the collaboration between these two actors, you can really see uh, much faster, let's say, developments in the process of developing uh, renewable energy projects, but also you can have more trust to really like uh, expand your community, getting back to what we were saying earlier, to involve as many people uh, as possible. The goals of LifeLoop are wide. Uh, Maybe I can start with the more practical ones uh, that uh, we we wish to really develop uh, renewable energy and energy efficiency projects. We have uh, three pilot areas in uh, Crete, Greece, in Zagreb, Croatia, and Bistritsa in Romania, uh, where we do support the collaboration, as I mentioned, of the energy initiative, the citizen energy uh, initiatives that are emerging and some of them already established with the local authorities. Interestingly, we have also the variety like, for instance, in Minoan it's the um, citizens that are actually leading more the uh, transition and then they Engage more municipalities, while in Bistritza, the initiative comes from the uh, city, from the local authority perspective, and they try to engage and involve more uh, citizens. So, we talk about a particular project development, and we want to really like activate and, and engage, let's say, more people in the discussion about the importance of uh, the energy transition, keeping the citizen at the center. Uh, this is another goal. Of a uh, life loop, I think that uh, for us it is uh, also important to show how this two the collaboration between these two actors is also uh, critical to indeed, as I mentioned, to gain the trust. And this works both ways, if I may, uh, because having uh, the uh, support of the local authority uh, towards the a citizen initiative can indeed increase the trust of uh, the wider community towards uh, this uh, initiative of citizens, but also having the support of the citizens uh, uh, to uh, the local authority and meeting actually, can actually support the uh, local authority in their uh, objectives, the climate energy objectives, and uh, can also support the trust that the local authority can actually manage to attain these goals. So, I also want to say that with LifeLoop, it's uh, very interesting what we, from uh, uh, from moment zero or moment minus, (laughs) when we were preparing the uh, proposal, uh, we also have uh, very centrally the uh, issue of uh, diversity and uh, gender justice, So we also organize uh, within LifeLoop workshops that focus particularly on this uh, matter. And we support the initiatives in uh, taking up some uh, practices, some uh, new ways of organizing to enable more women to participate. And uh, of course, beyond uh, this, maybe I go a bit reverse, we also focus on the more traditional, let's say, uh, approach of having uh, gender-balanced teams and uh, when organizing events, uh, ensuring that we have like an equal representation in uh, the panels, uh, in the trainers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, this is a more traditional one, which we see that is not uh, always respected uh, in different uh, uh, events and different uh, panels, let's say. Uh, but uh, we, we with U we try to uh, always do our best to ensure that this uh, happens and this is holds the same in the context of uh, life loop
0: you mentioned uh, certain challenges uh, such as having uh, respect of um, let's say some principles like gender uh, balance so what uh, other challenges do you do you face with this kind of project
1: so there's like Various challenges. Let me start by. I mentioned that uh, in uh, some, in the case of uh, Romania, we have the reverse, uh, that we have the uh, city trying to engage the citizen. I think that uh, this has to do with the background, let's say, the political, cultural uh, background uh, of uh, uh, the, the eastern part of uh, uh, Europe and the Balkan uh, countries, where maybe the citizens were, in a sense, more passive, waiting for the government to take care of uh, their needs. And now we, we want to... Enable them to take action themselves. And we want to also uh, increase the trust that uh, what I mentioned that the local authority uh, wants to do something uh, for their benefit. So that's why the reason we invite them to also take part. So um, this kind of the challenge of really like uh, activating the citizens in uh, certain areas is indeed uh, an issue. But another issue comes from the local authority side as well, that uh, some uh, often uh, the people, uh, the civil servants actually working in the different municipalities do not have the skills Uh, needed to support the development of uh, energy communities. They, of course, most often, unfortunately, do not have the funds and the time uh, to uh, invest in uh, these kind of uh, uh, initiatives. But uh, often it's a matter of uh, culture as well. They do not uh, know how uh, they can really collaborate uh, with their citizens. There is this kind of uh, fear of uh, uh, crossing certain uh, bar- certain uh, uh, borders, I mean that this is the this is a work that the municipalities should take care of. We cannot pass the responsibility to the citizen. So there is like this kind of things. Of, so what we try to do with LifeLoop, we we try to uh, give them the opportunity, you know, to experiment in a sense, to try something different from what they're used to. Uh, in order to uh, learn and uh, yeah and start uh, working in a different way that's uh, another thing different other challenges that we're facing i mentioned already like indirectly uh, the issue of uh, funding the, it's um, not always clear despite the fact that we uh, see and we hear about uh, all these new funds being uh, available uh, coming from the European level, it is not always easy for the communities to actually uh, reach these funds. Unfortunately, the transposition does not uh, develop as fast as we would have hoped and certainly not uh, with the same speed across the different countries of uh, the EU. Uh, And uh, that has a consequence also on the support that has been planned at the European level for the communities, but uh, the communities cannot uh, reach uh, yet.
0: Yeah, it goes back to the question of skills as well, because maybe there are a yeah. lack of skills on the ground to actually really take ownership of those uh, grants and the processes and just, just be able to apply for that, um, which can be very, very complicated. And there's a lot of competition.
1: Exactly, exactly. This is like indeed a matter of uh, skills. And with what we say with LifeLoop is that, at least in some cases, uh, and I believe that uh, there are like more and more places like uh, uh, what I'm going to describe, you have the interested uh, people that are active in an energy community uh, from the civil society that they have already. Invested time and energy to learn and understand uh, how certain things work. And these are the people that can actually support the local authorities as well in uh, learning how they can reach these funds, for instance, or they can organize uh, the processes uh, that would enable the uh, this participation of the society. Because we often think that it is the local authority that will help the citizen, and it's uh, to a great extent the case, but we should also start thinking of the reverse scenario as well, that um, the citizens can also help uh, their local authorities in uh, advancing uh, when it comes to uh, their climate and energy targets.
0: That's really fascinating because, uh, I mean, this is exactly what you aim for with the energy community and energy democracy approach uh, promoted by, by Rescopio, which is uh, this kind of really bottom up empowerment and having the citizens nudging uh, their government, whether local or regional, national, or even European, if you want, to go in a certain direction. And um, I found it really, uh, really super useful. and practical as well.
1: Yes, and may I, may, may I uh, build on this actually because you mentioned in the beginning that indeed I was involved in the uh, Clean Energy for EU Islands uh, Secretariat and uh, one of the examples that I, I was introduced, let's say, of the communities that I met uh, when I was working in uh, this initiative uh, is the initiative of uh, La Palma, Energia Bonita And uh, in that case, it was really, really clear that a number of citizens were uh, involved in developing an energy community. I mean, back then it was not, of course, officially named as an energy community, but they had this informal structure. And two of these uh, people that were active there were actually originally working for the local authority. Uh, So the local authority gave them some space to um, meet more people from the community and uh, see what are the ambitions that they have with regards to the energy transition and the energy transition of La Palma in particular. And um, the past years, the, this uh, more in, informal community actually developed in uh, Energia Bonita, so a formal energy community that has developed uh, the strategic plan for the decarbonization of La Palma uh, what is it that needs to happen and how this can be uh, materialized? And uh, at the same time, they also managed to get access to the funding that will enable them to really materialize their vision for the decarbonization of uh, La Palma. So I, I wanted to mention these examples because it's really a, a great <laughs> a, example of how you know this trust and between the local authority and the citizens, Uh, the local citizens, can actually support the uh, energy transition, the clean energy transition, enabling actually not only the true participation in the visioning and the strategizing, but also the implementation side Particularly, as I mentioned, through even the mobilization of funds, uh, national funds, but also private funds for the implementation of all these uh, projects and all these strategies that uh, are, uh, in, uh, are necessary for the materialization of uh, the
0: uh, vision. Yeah, in this sense, cities become really agoras and uh, catalysts for the energy transition. And uh, I mean, I feel that you are the perfect person to talk about energy democracy in this sense, also because you come from Greece. So, um, <laughs> but you've studied in the Netherlands. So you've experienced two very, very different, let say, way of thinking and uh, city organization and uh, yeah, energy organization as well. I mean, I saw recently that in, in the Netherlands, there were no longer any space to install any any clean energy or solar energy because this, the grid was already saturated. So it's totally different to what you see in Greece where uh, on the contrary you have also for instance in islands, islands that are still dependent on fossil fuels. Uh, so there are really some gaps that somehow embody also the change that is needed at European level to have like go in the same direction and, and boost renewables and make sure that uh, everybody access clean energy sources as well. So from all those years, now you live in Belgium, but you used to live in in the in Netherlands, but you were born in Greece. So what you're like the perfect European. What is your take on this? So let me, let me just say one
1: thing about the, the example that you mentioned. Indeed, first of all, uh, there's different realities uh, between Greece and the Netherlands. But uh, interestingly, you mentioned that uh, the grid is already saturated in the Netherlands with uh, uh, the, all the installation of the renewable energy projects. But unfortunately, <laughs> uh, the grid is not in much better condition in uh, in Greece, uh, despite the fact that uh, in uh, you would uh, imagine That um, the development of uh, the deployment of renewable energy project is not as fast in the Greek context is not exactly the case. One thing, and uh, unfortunately, the the, how to put it, the state (laughs) of the grid is also in the same. It's not uh, on the same quality. It's in the same level uh, either. And nevertheless, I was uh, happy to read that uh, in Greece uh, the. Uh, there is a, a new decision if that um, some applications that have been uh, already prepared I don't know uh, already five ten years ago without the development uh, of uh, projects will now be in a sense uh, Cancelled, considered as uh, new, in order to create more space, to enable um, the the development of more projects, like uh, freeing more space in uh, Greece uh, as well. Giving also some priority uh, to um, energy communities uh, as well, but yes, uh, going back to the, the broader question. Apologies for jumping on the technical <laughs> uh, example uh, that uh, you uh, offered. Yeah, I mean for me, it's been indeed uh, interesting and interesting, let's say, uh, space <laughs> uh, to compare how we um, really like plan to. Develop and uh, support the deployment of uh, energy democracy uh, in on the different uh, contexts. Like uh, in in Greece, there is a lot of you would say that it fits the democracy part. There is a lot of ambition. There is a lot of uh, will. Uh, there is a lot of uh, new energy communities that really want to uh, develop uh, projects. This really enabling the participation of uh, every local citizen discussing the priorities discussing uh, what needs to happen and uh, really like uh, progressing but also when i was in the netherlands uh, for in the context of my uh, research and uh, before that after my masters anyhow i was uh, very happy to discover the really like the participatory uh, city making overall in uh, the context of uh, the Dutch uh, cities. I think this culture of uh, dialogue, uh, this culture of really like uh, participation is also very strong uh, in uh, the Netherlands and uh, I was uh, quite happy to see how the Dutch are actually organizing the development of uh, community energy projects, the development of uh, this kind of collaboration between uh, cities and uh, citizens uh, on uh, uh, the topic of uh, the energy transition. And then coming from the Netherlands, coming uh, here uh, to Brussels, and especially my involvement in the more like uh, international, let's say, the European Projects where I was able to uh, dive not <laughs> that deep, but at least take a, a taste, a feeling from what's happening in different uh, other European uh, countries. I realized that there are, like, of course, like a lot of uh, differences. There is a lot of diversity. What we were discussing, uh, but there is also some things that are like uh, similar, and um, among those. If I focus on, uh, the, the, on the communities, uh, uh, the, the wish of the citizens to take part, to participate and shape uh, the energy transition the way they wish, is something that is present across uh, the EU. Uh, from the West to the East, the North and South, we have a lot of citizens that uh, are already aware of uh, the the urgency, that a lot of citizens that did not necessarily need the, the price, uh, uh, let's say, increase to realize that we need to do something. Uh, we have a lot of citizens that um, were already trying to uh, help us, our societies, to move towards renewable energy, to learn how to better make use of uh, the energy we produce and to learn how not to waste, actually, uh, energy. And uh, there is another thing that is um, common is that uh, there is a lot of uh, space, a lot of uh, willingness to learn and uh, try new things. I mean, I in the context of Rescope, you... We have also different uh, working groups where we discuss all the different developments uh, in uh, uh, the field. And I see like people from um, different energy communities across uh, Europe to be there, to contribute with the thing that I have uh, been experimenting with and uh, to learn from other partners uh, about uh, the things that they have been experimenting with so that we can actually start uh, applying uh, the new lessons. An example of this is, for instance, I had a conversation recently about uh, agrivoltaics There is uh, a lot of interest, uh, how can we actually really develop uh, this type of models that enable us to make a better use, more efficient use of uh, also land there is a lot of excitement there is a lot of we were discussing about uh, the new developments on, on the solar uh, regarding i mean the solar technologies we're discussing about uh, waiting the, the moment for this transparent uh, flexible solar technology that will enable the uh, citizens to um, uh, generate uh, energy, renewable energy while in parallel growing sustainable i mean organic food <laughs> why not uh, you know combining these actually uh, functions especially in uh, we mentioned in the context of islands that uh, uh, there is not extensive not always let's say extensive uh, space <laughs> uh, we need to learn Uh, how to you know take advantage of uh, the uh, opportunities we have by combining uh, by building on synergies by really like uh, we need to keep on being uh, creative we need to keep on learning how we can actually solve uh, more problems maybe we, we need to start thinking of how we can Already we should start thinking how we can solve the problems that we are already creating, <laughs> thinking that we are actually uh, solving the uh, problems that uh, we have been facing for the past uh, year. So that's what I say. Uh, maybe to, to, to close, I see that there is a lot of interest. There is a lot of ambition to uh, support uh, the clean uh, uh, energy uh, transition, the transition to more sustainable and fair uh, energy system that uh, really like uh, benefits uh, everyone.
0: Yeah, what you just said about like trying to think together collectively about the problems we are already creating—that's also why we need diversity. That why we need uh, different perspectives. Because a farmer may be struggling on their uh, island in Greece, it may see and experience things completely differently compared to a family who. Who is is actually a resident of that island but Still, I don't know. Maybe I, uh, a digital nomad or something like that. It's uh, very different. Uh, let's say profiles uh, that come to my mind. But uh, if you bring them to the table, they can build some form of collective intelligence. Whereas if you just uh, if you think just individually, you don't reach uh, this kind of outlook and perspective. And uh, I find it really super inspiring. I would have just one question before we close. Is what have you noticed as really the main motivation of the people who join energy communities? To relate
1: to the, what I just said earlier, that there's this ambition to really contribute, to do something to improve the uh, situation that uh, everyone is in. To make, I, th- I think, maybe this has to do also with my personal, let's say, ambition. I, I think that in short, I, people want to make themselves useful for the community. And often, people uh, getting involved in the energy field, in the community energy field, I mean, they're in parallel active in uh, several other community initiatives, exactly because they feel that they're part of the community. So, I think... Uh, that uh, and if I think also if I look back to the period that I was uh, doing research, I think that this is the the key point that of course they want to improve uh, the environment and the conditions of the local community but in short, if I put it on a bit higher level, I think that they find the opportunity to make the their contribution for the community through uh, their involvement uh, in uh, the the local uh, energy community.
0: That's super inspiring. So yeah, they want to be part of the change, they want to be part of a movement, they want to be part of the solution and not the problem. I really like it. So thank you so much Antonia for such a really insightful conversation. So any project in particular for 2024? Something you are looking forward to at uh, the Rescope you are at another level, really.
1: I can mention the project that it, it's kind of—I mean, we have, let's say, a budget for this. It's an official project, but it's a broader, like, uh, project that uh, keeps me busy. Let's say is to really like try to highlight a little bit more the social impact of uh, the energy communities. As I mentioned, the community, let's say, <laughs> part of uh, community energy. What is it that uh, we uh, really like to achieve beyond the production of the generation of uh, a certain number of uh, kilowatt hours, and um, cetera, et cetera? What is it? Is it the empowerment, how people feel more active, more able to contribute, is it the, the fact that they can show their solidarity and really like uh, support each other, the, this, the softer elements, let's say, this is something that I think that uh, we, we need to keep on thinking uh, more and keep on talking about those so that we can really like improve and amplify uh, these uh,
0: social impacts of uh, the energy communities uh, as well. This is absolutely music to my ears. So thank you so much, Antonia. Have a great, great day. And uh, thank you so much for being with us today on Energetic. Thank you very much. It has been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Energetic. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into sustainability and the just energy transition with the most inspiring stakeholders. All links and resources are in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like this podcast, why not recommend it to a friend or a colleague? To continue the conversation, head on over to Twitter or LinkedIn. Thank you for lending your ears. That's all for this episode. Until next time.